Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Hi, this is Mark Roach. You are listening to Your Best with my friend, Kathy Weckworth. Today's topic is when your problems seem bigger than you. How many times in life have you had a problem? I mean, let's get real with each other and ourselves. Let's narrow it down to this past week. How many times did you think this is a problem? Maybe it was the dishwasher broken down or your kids got sick with a stomach flu. Maybe it was a banking mistake and you overdrafted your account. Perhaps this occurs over and over, you think, but other people don't have problems. Well, here's the truth. Everybody has problems hour after hour, day after day. Here's what I've learned about problems. They can get the best of me. They can consume me. And the more that I focus on them, the bigger they seem. Working for churches for over 27 years, I have stories. I have stories of pastors and team members, of staff and attendees. Problems were the norm because where there are people, there is trouble. And where there is trouble, there are problems. I remember one day that's still really hard to forget. I'd been at a church for over a year and things were going well with about, oh, 85% of the team, but 15% were really young and kind of immature. They all worked at the same company and a few were married couples. From the moment I received the job, they had animosity. I ignored it. I worked with them. I did everything I could to try to get them to be a team with the rest of the people, but oh, It was team mentality. That's all I wanted. It just did not work. I prayed with them, spent endless amounts of time in my office listening to them complain about me, the pastors, the church, society, and God. I took them out for dinner. I spent time choosing songs with solo spots. Nothing I could do would make a difference. They just didn't like me. The evening at church that I remember best, I came in and sat down on the stage and They told me we refused to rehearse tonight. They were on strike. They were, what, only three of them out of, you know, 30 people, but it felt like 300. The rest of my team was in total shock. They tried to help, but nothing worked. So problems came out of that evening, problem after problem. One by one, I faced them, and one by one, they multiplied. And the more that I looked at those problems, the bigger they got. With every thought, through every moment of the day, the troubles were just huge to me. Trouble marched on. It got bigger. The truth, I lost perspective because I magnified all of my sight and focus on that trouble. You see, listeners, when we magnify something, we make it bigger. When we magnify something, we give it extraordinary large place in our lives. Everybody magnifies something. Our desires get shaped. Our identity gets tied up in it. Our joys and sorrows are all around it. A workaholic magnifies work. An alcoholic magnifies alcohol. A greedy soul magnifies money. We all magnify something, and I was magnifying my trouble. Until God got a hold of me and said to me I was to magnify him, put him back in his place, back in my heart and mind, and stop obsessing about my problems. Start working on solutions. Start allowing him to do what he needed to do. So listeners right now, start thinking about what you're magnifying. Do you have problems that you think are mountains and are insurmountable? Do you have burdens that are so big you can't think of solutions? 
Well, Scripture tells us in Psalm 34, 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify him. Look at him. Put your focus on him. In those scriptures, we're making God bigger in our hearts and minds and giving him his rightful place. But when we magnify and make bigger our troubles by overfocusing, we give the enemy a foothold. We have the ability to trust God, rely on him, and utilize our power of self-control. We need to focus not on the problem, but on the one who can solve the problem. Listeners, we're going to talk more about the subject, but right now, let's take some time to talk with my friend, Mark Roach. Joining me in the studio, here he is, my favorite worship artist, gifted songwriter, and business owner of Rewired Creative Services, Mark Roach. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, Mark, in your opinion, what's the greatest challenge for today's worship leader, and what would you recommend if a worship leader was asking you for help in resolving a problem? Uh, that's, that is a really great, really great question. And I'm going to, my safe answer uh, is congregational focus. Um, I think that these days, worship leaders, just with the inundation of information and sort of the worship industry and the, the cool music that's out there and, and um, just everything that, that church uh, has become, it's difficult sometimes to remember that what we're really trying to do is focus, number one, on Christ, and number two, on the congregation connecting with Christ. That's really our job. Um, and so often we're we're distracted by so much else coming at us. That's right. So, um, and you asked how, how I would recommend it being resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I would just say uh, maintaining a, a prayer-filled life and really main, maintaining a care-filled life where you're really concerned about the experience that the congregation has. You really realize your role. I think it's important to pray with your band before every single time before you hit that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons that I do that is because I say out loud in the prayer, um, or hopefully somebody in my band, if they're praying, says the same thing. God, help help us keep this about you and help what we're doing out there um, really just facilitate an atmosphere where people can connect to you. That's what God wants. That's what we should want. Uh, hopefully, that's what the congregation is looking for. And all the other stuff is just uh, distraction. I love that. And I love that because that's your heart. And so many times, you know, just in my walk of being a former worship director, it was very often that you would have people exactly like you. I had many friends that had that, but then there were other friends and their focus, of course, was the you know newest, latest, greatest, everything. And they didn't really balance that with what the congregation needed or wanted. And then there was a lot of fighting, you know, between the congregation. And you always have a little bit of that anyway, because there's music, right? And music has different tastes. But I love that you're saying it's great to be focused on God and your congregation first and put everything else aside. That makes me so happy. So you frequently (laughs) fill in for other churches. I mean, I love this about you, Mark. You're helping worship leaders. You're helping churches. Um, and you fill in, and it's difficult for people to connect to all of the music because there's a lot right now. There's a lot of great things that are coming out in in worship songs. 
Um, when you get to a church, you know, what do you do if they don't know that song? Um, because we have so many choices. Yeah, that's another great question. And I'm actually um, leading worship part-time at a, at a church uh, here in my hometown again. Oh, but I do great. still fill in from time to time, and that's actually a ministry I wish I could do more, because worship leaders need time off. They do. Um, they, do. they just always do. The smaller the church, the more overworked the worship leader, that's it funny. seems like. Yes. And so uh, yeah. it, it has been such a blessing over the past couple of years to be able to do that. But you always run that risk um, of bringing in a song, especially if it's an original, but even if it's not an original, if it's not in that top 20 CCLI or whatever, are they going to know it? Mm-hmm. So I think, again, having that congregational focus is, is important, really filtering the song selection that you have to where if you are picking a song that they may not know, is it singable? Is it in a range that they'll be able to latch on to quickly? I, I always said that I wrote songs and selected songs with some of the same criteria. I want people to be able to latch on by that second verse. Mm-hmm. They should be hearing patterns, and they should be hearing uh, repetitions and, and symmetries in the, the, if not the lyric, definitely the, the melody. It should be simple. They can be artful, but they have to be functional as well. And so, you know, if you're, if you're doing that, I think that uh, you're probably going to be okay, and you might have to throw a, a chorus at the beginning and, and do a little teaching. I'll never forget going to a Tommy Walker concert, and he writes um, very difficult music, in, in my opinion. It's very, it's very uh, musically um, uh, intellectual and, and yummy music that, that he writes. <laughs> That's my favorite 10, word. 12 years ago. <laughs> yes. And he taught the congregation. I mean, he taught the congregation thoroughly before he sang, and I think he communicated to us that that's what he does at his home church, mm-hmm. and I love that. Yeah. So if, if you're writing stuff that doesn't have that that same sort of functional, singable, latch-on-by-the-second-verse, if it's a brand-new song, then teach the song. Mm-hmm. You know, know that. That awareness yeah. is so important. Right, exactly. And there's nothing worse in life than being at a conference or being at church and you're so excited to meet with God. You want to step up to bat. You're going to worship. And, you know, the first song is, here's something new. And the second song is, you know, like unsingable. You you can't find a melody, to, like you said, to latch onto. Or the words just are, you know, tripping over your tongue. You're think, thinking, what? And, and by the time you're done, you're thinking, okay, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to meet with God. You know, it was all my focus was on trying to learn this new stuff. So absolutely, I, I, and as a musician, yeah. um, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but as a musician, I feel like if that happens to me, it's really happening exactly. to the people who aren't that's musicians. Right. That's I mean, right. Yeah. So, so I had that's I, always something that I would tell a worship leader yes. if they asked for the input. Hey, man, I couldn't sing any of these songs, and I'm a singer. Right. So if that's right. the case you're probably losing some people. That's exactly right. And and the same thing happened with me with Tommy Walker. And, you know, Mark, he was on my show um, last year because he had uh, a brand new CD out with, you know, doing some great renditions of some hymns. And it was really fun to talk with him because it's the same experience I had where he made it enjoyable to learn a new song. You didn't feel threatened. You didn't feel scared. You didn't feel stupid. And they were exactly what you're saying, you know, singable and great range. And I think those are so important, 
you know, when we're thinking about picking out music for other people to sing. So here's my question about worship teams. I've had some really fabulous tight-knit groups. I've had some troubled groups where people didn't want to be a part of a team. I've had fabulous pastors. I've had pastors who felt jealous of the worship team. I mean, I've I've seen the whole gamut of everything. So I want to know in your career, what's been a problem that you faced in church land with a worship team and how did you deal with it effectively? Oh man, that's a loaded question for me. <laughs> Sorry um, about that. <laughs> you know, there's there's always stuff coming up. Like you said, I mean, we're we're creatives. We're hard on our sleeve. We've got egos. Mm-hmm. We have to learn to to effectively utilize our egos. It's what makes us good artists. Um, it, it's what our ego is. What makes us able to perform and present compelling material that brings people closer to Christ. It really is. So we have to be able to utilize that, but then always keep it in check and make sure that we're putting God first. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, probably one of the biggest struggles that I've had is, are just those those team dynamics. And, you know, th- this person that um, thinks they're you know, a little more experienced musician that they are, this person that is very experienced and they don't want to be at rehearsal because they feel like they know this stuff, sure. this person that wants more solos, even though they don't have a very, you know, yes. uh, appropriate yeah. solo voice for the style. Um, you know, you, you get all of those things on a team. I really don't think you can avoid those things. No. Um, what I think is important is just to be a team, to, mm-hmm. to try your hardest to to love on the people, to pray with them, um, to, I don't want to be cheesy and say cast vision, but just, just have a clarity of, hey, this is why we're here. We're not here for soloists. We're not here for, you know, uh, us to get our, um, our pro musician fix for the week. Um, you know, th- there are pros among us. There are beginners among us. There's everything in between. And we're here to make music together, and we're here to make music together for the best possible reason there is to make music, and that's to glorify God. So when everybody's on the same page with that, when they're reminded of it, when you show your own humility, um, you know, I think that really helps that situation. But I got to be honest, I've never been in a situation where it's been perfect. That's so right. you have yes. to effectively resolve those issues. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, it's a struggle, and you got to pray through the yeah. struggle. You do. You got to talk through the struggle. Um, if I were going to say one more thing, it would be the open door policy. I mean, I've always told my volunteers, I will rub you wrong at some point mm-hmm. with something I say, something I do, something that just doesn't feel right to you. Please, please, please. Talk to me. We, we've got to go with the biblical approach to conflict, and and you've got to address it. Uh, that way I can either fix the problem, I can maybe try to defend myself, maybe you'll understand where I was coming from, but we've got to be able to uh, to talk it out. And that goes with people between one another on the team as well. Sure. Oh, those, those are just great words of wisdom. So, Mark, let's talk a little bit about pastors, um, just for fun. So as a worship <laughs> pastor, you know, like I said, I've had some really great ones that are kind of artsy along with being the other side of the brain. And, you know, we just like, wow, traveled the road quickly and, and church has grown and things were good. I've had other pastors who have had difficulty with worship and, you know, struggled with maybe the attention that sometimes the people get because they're artists, you know, they're singing, people love music 
or the drama team or something, have you ever um, learned anything about getting along with pastors when you don't understand them? What do you know that our listeners could glean? Uh, that it's a two-way street. Okay. Um, it, it's just always a two-way street. I'm, I'm going to be a little vulnerable on this. I've, I've gotten some... Um, I've, I've been in a lot of groups that... Um, I actually facilitate a group of worship pastors, worship leaders, creatives uh, here in the St. Louis area, and I hear this a lot from them, um, and it's a noble statement. They talk about how their job, in part, is to submit to the leadership of their senior pastor, and, and I think that's very commendable, but I think it's really dangerous if the pastor doesn't have an attitude of submission toward not only the his staff, but also his or her staff, but mm-hmm. then also Christ. That's exactly so right. So yeah. w- we must be prayerful. We must be conscientious of uh, people thinking different ways. We must be mindful of the fact that people aren't just like us and that conflict is is going to happen, especially when, when people really, truly do think completely differently. The, the other thing, though, is that as as creatives, we can't make that an excuse for not doing our jobs or being lazy or administratively weak. We, we, we can't just say, well, I'm an artist. I just don't think like you um, and leave it at that. I can't change. I can't, um, you know, meet you halfway here. And uh, I think both of those are just absolutely critical. Um, but I, I just, I have to, my mind on the on the leadership front, people who are leaders above us, we must get better at making sure that they are holding themselves accountable to Christ and in prayer. Uh, and and if if we really don't feel like that's happening, then we can't just blindly submit to their leadership. We have to call it out. We have to leave, move on to someone who we do trust um, is, is making those big heavy leadership decisions. Right. Um, in the context of prayer. Right. Yeah. And I've seen it where God has used me in a situation for a few years, and then it doesn't it doesn't work any longer. And I look and I think, okay, what was wrong with me? And it doesn't mean that there was something wrong. I believe that God moves us to different places. And I think about one of my you know, prior worship jobs, and the person that came in to replace me was so opposite of my personality and just gets along famously with that pastor. And it just meant that, you know, there was a better fit for me. And at that time, I felt like I was used. And I love the fact that you said it's a two-way street because that's very, very true. So right now, you're in a season where you're being used to encourage churches and worship leaders, as you're doing right now, through your company called Rewired Creative Services. Tell us a little bit about that business, what you do, and how churches can get help from you. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I feel like I have seven jobs these days. Um, still uh, kind of a, a worship artist, and then I, I still lead worship part-time at a church. I just don't feel like God's done with me there. Um, but on the rewired side, I'm actually teaching at a university locally here in St. Louis just one night a week um, in the audio engineering field. And then with rewired, um, I've been able to consult with churches. I call it the three C's, consult, create, and collaborate. So I love to consult with with churches uh, that have anything to do with 
their creative teams, anything to do with their creative ministries. Um, but I also love to create content for churches in the absence of them being able to do that themselves. Um, uh, I also love to to uh, help with transitions, such as, you know, brand new soundboards and those kind of things. So, oh, um, you know, th- those kind of opportunities are, are great. But creating videos, um, singles or EPs or, or records uh, from an audio perspective and uh, graphics and all that kind of stuff, that, that's a blast for me to be able to create. And then the collaborate thing is just, you know, the opportunity to partner with them for a season where I can train people up, whether they're volunteers or staff members, to be able to create that content or make those leadership decisions or lead those bands or whatever without me, you know, once I leave. So it's really been an awesome thing. I've done a lot of content creation, uh, but I have a huge passion for all three of those, consulting, creating, and collaborating. Sounds wonderful. How can people find out more about this business? Where can they find out? Yeah, you can go to rewiredcreative.com, and my website's up there. I also have a Facebook page. Uh, I believe it's just slash rewiredcreative. And uh, to be honest, I, I just have a, a wealth of information about the things that I do on there, but then there's also just a contact form where you can tell me, hey, this is what I'm looking for, and I'll contact you uh, very briefly. I think my, my uh, personal cell is on there. It's my it's my company phone right now. Is my personal cell. Okay. So it's up there, and uh, you know you guys can contact your listeners can contact me anytime. That's and wonderful. Hopefully, I'll be able to to figure out something to do. Do you know what I love about this, Mark? Is that as people are thinking about what do we need in our church, how can we move forward? Sometimes you just don't know that person like you. You don't have that person in your community. Or you think, okay, we're going to hire this sound company to come in. But what's fabulous about you, Mark, is that you are a worship leader. You're used to being up on stage. You know what needs to happen. You know how that's supposed to work. So I love that you're able to do that. So listeners, we are really in for a great treat because Mark is going to be singing for us this incredible song from his indie project, Beautiful Truth. And we get to hear it now, and he's just um, doing it exclusively for Best Life Ministries and Your Best Radio here. So we're going to take a minute and listen to it. And Mark, can you tell us a quick couple sentences about where this song is coming from? Yeah, this song is just being about being rooted in Scripture, um, r- rooted in the truth of God. And um, it's called Beautiful Truth, and really it, it outlines primarily... Uh, different kind of permutations of the truth that Christ died because He loved us, because God wanted a relationship with us, and how beautiful a truth is that. It's beautiful. We're going to take a listen right now. Never has life, never has love so suffered Only to die, only to draw me close to you Oh, what a beautiful truth No other lived, no other loved So purely sent here to serve You saved a world forsaking you 
Listeners, that was Beautiful Truth by Mark Roach, R-O-A-C-H. You can find out more information about him and about this incredible business that he has where he can help you. And it's markroach.com. 
Thanks so much for being on the show. I am so grateful to you, Mark, because you have spoken such incredible truth for people who are trying to figure out what they can do with problems. And that's all about what we're talking about on today's show, that when we magnify God instead of magnifying our problems, things are going to be better. So thanks for being here with me. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Here's the truth, listeners. When a problem is magnified, it isn't bigger. Did you hear that? It isn't bigger. We're just focusing on it, and it seems bigger. Now, what do we do with all of those problems, and why do they keep coming our way? Well, this is life, and it's inevitable. But I jotted down for myself some notes today to give you five top things that I like to do when problems start growing. They just take over. So here we go. Number one, be objective. Really look seriously at the problem. Don't exaggerate. Number two, stop talking about your problem to everybody because the more that we talk about it, the bigger it gets. Number three, let go of trying to fix it alone. God's got this. He's allowed it for reasons that we might not know, but for most of the time in my life when I look back, wow, he had a plan and a purpose for the trouble. Number four, start praying. Every time you're tempted to take out that magnifying lens and start ruminating, just stop it and start praying. And lastly, number five, get a plan for action. Maybe the only thing you can do is to release it to God, and that's good enough, but start thinking about what you can do. My best life director of prayer and my dear friend Kathleen quotes this verse continually. She says that whenever we talk about life in general, Psalm 27, 13, and 14, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. What great words of comfort. We need to be strong and rely on God. He hasn't left us in the trouble. He's waiting through it right next to us. So remember, when you start trying to magnify that problem, it really doesn't make the problem bigger in actuality. It's just in our minds. Don't do it. Start magnifying the Lord instead. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, life can be so full of troubles. We can hurt from all of the pain in our lives. And sometimes it feels easier to just give into the problems and believe they're bigger than the solutions. Bigger and stronger than you, God. But help us to remain strong and not buy into that. Help us to be fixated on your power and how great you are. Help us not to magnify the trouble, but magnify the one who can help us through the trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.